Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just come, Lord, and we we come again, Lord, into your tabernacle, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that the Holy Ghost, Lord, will move and brood, Lord, as your word goes forward, Lord. We just pray, Lord, for this people, Lord, in your tabernacle, Lord, your people, Lord. We pray, Lord, that they'll be built up in their faith, Lord. We pray, Lord, that the backslider will be restored, Lord, and we ask, Lord, tonight, Lord, for souls, Lord. Lord, as we drop the nets, Lord, as we preach the word, we pray, Lord, that you will be glorified. We pray, Lord, that you will be exalted, Lord. We pray, Lord, that your word will go forward, Lord, like the two-edged sword, and it will pierce the soul and transform lives, Lord. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you'll tabernacle with us. We pray, Lord, that you will be glorified. We pray, Lord, that you will be exalted, Lord. And Lord, we look to you, Lord, the center of our gaze, Lord, and the center of our attention, Lord. We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And we're going to read a few verses. Starting to read at verse 18. Luke chapter 23. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again to them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why? What evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and of the chief priests prevailed. You're maybe here tonight in this meeting and you're maybe you're not saved and I'm not talking about a religion I'm not talking about a denomination that's not what I'm talking about I mean that you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ it's just you and him because it'll be just you and your creator when the scene of time is wrapped up and Christ returns it will be Jesus and it will be you it won't be your denomination it won't be your religion you will be asked what you did with the lovely Lord Jesus Christ you're maybe here tonight and you're not saved You're maybe here tonight and you are saved but your light burns dim. You're saved but life has got on top of you. Life has become very difficult. Life has become unbearable and there's no more communication between you 
and your Savior because you have walked away and you have gone cold. You're maybe here tonight and you just want to be loved. You can't work out life. You're confused. You're down. You're depressed. And you just want to be loved. We're going to look tonight at the greatest love that there ever was. The greatest love that there ever, there ever has been. And the greatest love that there is, is the love of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be loved in this world, no greater love than the love of a saviour to be sent from the realms of glory, to shed his life's blood freely on a Calvary's cross, that you may be saved. There's no greater love than that. You want to be loved in 2023, I will show you Jesus tonight. In the Garden of Gethsemane, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus was praying. And Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane many times at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus was there with some of the disciples, and Jesus was praying. And Gethsemane means oil press. And at the bottom of the Mount of Olives, there would have been an olive oil press where there would have been a stone container and they would have taken the olives and put the olives into the container and tied a stone to a donkey and the donkey would have gone round and round and round and the stone as the donkey went round crushed the olives and the olive oil would have run down into the baskets below the press. And in Gethsemane, Christ was being crushed. Christ was being pressed upon. And the press of the world and the press of the sin of the world was coming upon the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 44, it says this, And being in agony, the lovely Lord Jesus Christ is in Gethsemane. And he is in agony. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Christ was in Gethsemane and he was praying to the Father. And he was walking and falling on his face. And walking and falling on his face. And the lovely Lord Jesus Christ the stress was that much on his body that he started to sweat drops of blood. And Luke, the physician, gives an account of it. And it's hematotrosis. There's a name for it. And it's a point on the body where there's that much stress on the body and there's that much anguish and agony on the body that the lovely Lord Jesus Christ, instead of sweating sweat as normal, started to sweat blood. Can you see him in Gethsemane? Can you see him walking through the garden and the crushing 
and they're pressing like the olive press. And he's on his face and he's praying to the Father and he's being crushed. And the blood of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ is coming through his pores. There's not much stress. There's not much anguish and agony upon the lovely Lord Jesus Christ that he sweats blood. He sweats blood. In Mark chapter 15, if you want to turn to it, in Mark chapter 15, and in the verse 16, Christ is then arrested in Gethsemane. He's arrested in Gethsemane. And in Mark 15 and 16, it says this, And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. And a band of Roman soldiers was 600 men. And Roman soldiers were trained in battle, hardened, tough men. And after the anguish of Gethsemane, and after the anguish of sweating the blood, he finds himself in Praetorium in the hall with a band of soldiers, 600 men. And these men take Christ and they spit on him. They punch him. They beat him and they mock him. Now he's in the hall. Can you imagine there's 600 Roman soldiers around him? And they're punching him. They're beating him. They're pulling his beard from his face. They're spitting all over him. And they're saying, prophesy who struck you. They put garments on him. And they bow to him. And they mock him. Hail King Jesus. And they mock him. From Gethsemane to Praetorium. Then they take him and they scourge him. When somebody's taken to be scourged, that is usually it. Whoever's being scourged wouldn't normally live after the scourging. The scourging is that bad. They took the lovely Lord Jesus Christ from Gethsemane to Praetorium and now they take him to scourge him. Two Roman soldiers would do the scourging. They would take a handle and they would have about nine leather straps on the handle and they would tie the lovely Lord Jesus Christ to the whipping post and they would take the leather straps and attach lead and bone. Lead and bone. And they would take his back and make sure it's open on the back of his legs. And each Roman soldier would take the whip and they would approach the back of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ and they would plough the whip into his back. The lead and the bone would lodge in his back. They would turn the handle and pull and when they pulled the handle, his flesh would tear. Two Roman soldiers at the whipping post in 
turn on Paul. In, turn on Paul. Round the legs, turn on Paul. Round the back, turn on Paul. Continually, continually, continually. You now have a bloodbath. You see, this is what happened, Christ. You hear about the crucifixion and it's all flowery and it's dressed up. This is what happened, Christ. This is the facts. There's now a bloodbath at the whipping post. These Roman soldiers have no mercy. In, turn and out. In, turn and out. And they will continue to do it until you can see the ribcage of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ and you can see his eternal organs. You can see everything. That's what happened to Jesus. They took him from Gethsemane where he sweat blood. They took him to Praetorium and they beat him to a pulp. But that wasn't enough. They took him to the whipping post where he was scourged and he's hanging on the whipping post and you can see his internal organs. There's no flesh on his back. There's no flesh on the back of his legs. And you can see his bones. And he's on the whipping post. They then take him. And they plot a crown of thorns. Upon his lovely head. In Mark chapter 15. And verse 17, 18 and 19. And they clothed him with purple and plotted a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed and it spit upon him and bowing their knees worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him. They plot a crown of thorns. Jesus now is a complete mess. He's been beaten and whipped to a pulp. This is what happened to Jesus. They take the thorns two inches long. And they weave the thorns around to make a crown. And they put the crown on the lovely head of my Saviour. And they take a reed and they beat the crown. And they beat the crown into his head. Now on top of the blood sweat. Now on top of the beating to a pulp. Now on top of the whipping post. Christ's head is punctured. With hundreds of holes. And the blood runs down his face. 
and they mock him and they beat him with the reed. Jesus is now virtually unrecognizable. Jesus now is virtually unrecognizable. But they're not done. They're not finished. Then we go to the cross. Mark chapter 15. 22. Starting to read at Mark 15, 22. And they bring him into, onto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And that wine mingled with the myrrh, they tried to basically give him an anesthetic to numb the pain. But Christ refused the anesthetic. And you want to be a man. And you want to take your stand for the lovely Lord Jesus Christ in life. You take your example from Christ himself. Because Christ here, as he's about to be crucified, is a complete mess. Unrecognizable. And he was offered an anesthetic. But he refused it. Most people don't even make past the whipping post. Christ has now passed the whipping post. And Christ is going to the cross. Why? To carry out the will of the Father. To carry out the will of the Father who sent them. Who sent them as a ransom. Who sent them as a sacrifice. To save your soul. To save your soul. The price. Can you see the price? Can you see the physical anguish? The physical anguish of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ from Gethsemane to Praetorium to the whipping post. And now we're at the cross. And they bring him onto the place, Golgotha, which has been interpreted the place of a skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them. What every man should take, and it was the third hour, and they crucified him. It was about 9 a.m. Christ is now hanging on the cross. The crossbar alone on the cross was about 150 pounds. And Christ carries the cross for about a mile. The nails that they used to nail the lovely Lord Jesus Christ to the cross were about seven inches long. And it went into the wrist area. The nails, when you were hanging somebody on a cross, went here. They didn't go here, they went here. Why did they go here? Because the Romans had this crucifixion off to a T. If the nail goes there, it holds the body on the cross longer. And also if it goes there, it causes even more, more pain. Because it severs the nerves. It severs the nerves. You see, the Romans were ruthless. They were bloodthirsty. 
And when they took Christ and when they nailed him to the cross, they nailed him here. So we can hang better and sever the nerves, which gives more pain. As if he hadn't enough pain already. They would take the feet and they would overlap the feet like this. And there would be a certain point on the feet and they would take one nail and plunge it through both feet. But it had to be at a certain point. Why? Because you wouldn't bleed as much. And at that point on your feet where you were nailed, you wouldn't bleed as much. She would have more time on the cross. You see, the Romans, let's not delude ourselves. The Romans were bloodthirsty and they were ruthless and they had the crucifixion off to a T to get as much pain out of the person as possible, to make the anguish as much as possible. Can you see the physical torture of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ? Why? Why did he allow this to happen? For filthy sinners like you and me. For filthy sinners like you and me. The pain and the anguish that Christ went through. The humiliation of it all. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3 and it's at verse 13 and it says this, Galatians 3 and verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Christ redeemed you because he became accursed. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree and Christ allowed it to happen. He's a bloody mess now and I say that reverently. He's a bloody mess and now he allows to be hung on a cross and now he's cursed. He's unrecognisable He's beaten to a pulp. He's in anguish. And now he's cursed. Cursed is anyone that hangeth on a tree. In Leviticus chapter 16. Let's go to it. Leviticus 16. And Aaron is giving sacrifice for the children of Israel. And this is, this is fantastic scripture. Leviticus chapter 16, starting to read at verse 7. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Two goats. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the, the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. 
So whatever a goat, there's two goats. And Aaron's at the, at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he's offering sacrifice for the people. And there's two goats. Two goats. And whatever lot the goat fell on, that was the Lord's lot. The goat was taken and it was slain. And blood was shed. See, blood had to be shed. So one goat was slain. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. So there's the blood. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord. Now the scapegoat, whoever that goat belonged to, that person would go and lay his hands on the goat. He would lay his hands on the goat and confess sins. The sins of Israel are the sins of himself. So one goat has been sacrificed. That's the blood. You would take the scapegoat and put your hand upon its head. Confess your sin. And look what it says. But the goat on which the lot fell to be a scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go. And to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. You see, the blood is shed and the other goat goes free. And Christ shed his blood freely and you went free. You see, Christ was your scapegoat. Christ was your scapegoat. Because blood had to be shed. And then the sin was transferred to the other goat. And the goat was sent away, the scapegoat. What a picture that is of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He's shedding his blood. And the Father takes your sin and puts it upon his son. And he says, you go free. I'll put it in him. He's your scapegoat. What a saviour. The blood flowed from his riven side. I'll take the penalty. I'll take the cup was due you. I'll shed my blood and you can go free. Christ was your scapegoat. Christ was your atonement. The lovely Lord Jesus Christ. The precious son of the living God the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who knew no sin, became sin. He became accursed that a filthy wretch like you and a filthy wretch like me might go free and I might be saved and I worship him and I praise him and I thank him for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. For without the reshedding of blood, there is no remission for your sin. None. No remission. Propitiation is here in Leviticus. Appeasement of God. The blood is shed. An expiation. Making amends. The sin goes to the goat. And the goat goes free. Christ your scapegoat. But then on the cross... 
the legs would be broken. They would come and break the legs. But as we know, Christ's legs weren't broken. Because Christ was in control of it all. You see, Christ was in control of everything that happened. From Gethsemane, from Praetorium, to the whipping post, to the cross. We look at it, we look at it in awe, and we look at it in wonder. And I praise him and thank him for the cross. But you know, Christ was in control of every aspect of the cross. John chapter 10 and verse 17. Let's go to it. John 10 and verse 17. Listen to the scripture. Man thought he was doing his worst. Away with him. We don't want anything to do with him. Crucify him. But Christ was in control of every aspect of it. Right from Gethsemane. Right to the cross. How? Read the the scripture. John 10, verse 17. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, because I lay down my life. He laid it down. It wasn't taken from him. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. He laid it down, and he took it. Let's, let's make no mistake about it. He laid it down, and he took it again. The Father raised him from the dead. He laid his life down. He was in complete control of it all. The next verse, No man taketh it from me, no man. But I lay it down of myself. No man take it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. What a saviour. What a saviour. He didn't have to go to the cross. It could have been stopped. Aren't you glad he went to the cross? Aren't you glad he went to the cross and saved your wretched soul? Aren't you glad there's a fountain of blood that you were cleansed in and the Father looks upon you and he says, you go free. You go free. He doesn't see your sin. He sees the blood of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. He sees his son. And he says, you go free. Not guilty. This one's not guilty. Washed and covered in the precious shed blood of the Lamb. Not guilty. The sovereignty of God extended right from Gethsemane to Praetorium, to the whipping post, to the cross. He is sovereign over it all. Everything. He was under control of it all. He laid it down and he took it again. The lovely Lord Jesus Christ. In Zechariah chapter 12, 
Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. And listen to the words. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. Listen to the words. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Those words were written 500 years before the birth of Christ. You say to me tonight, and you're watching online, or you're here tonight, and you say to me, Glenn, I don't believe any of this. Well, that's okay, but you explain to me how this is penned 500 years before Christ is even born. What's the percentages of that? 500 years before Christ is even born, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. He was forsaken in Matthew 27. Matthew 27 and verse 46. Matthew 27 and verse 46. He was forsaken of the Father. Listen to the words. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou forsaken me? Gethsemane, Praetorium, the whipping post, the cross, and now the separation between him and the Father. The Father can't look upon him because he's now become accursed. And he who knew, knew, knew no sin has become sin. As if the anguish, as if the physical ang- anguish isn't enough. And now the separation. For a second, can you see him tonight? Can you see him hanging on the cross? Marred more than any man. Unrecognizable. Who's that on the cross? I can hardly recognize him. Who's that on the cross? Who is it? And now he's forsaken. And now he's forsaken. Mark 14 and verse 36. Mark 14. And verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup. Take away the cup, Father. Take it away from me. What cup was that? That's your cup of wrath. That was your cup of wrath. Your cup. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. He fulfilled the mission. 
He came as the God-man from the realms of glory and he fulfilled the mission. He fulfilled the will of the Father. And what was his mission? His mission was to see you saved. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, you were on his mind. He fulfilled his mission. It's all across this tent tonight. Saved people washed in the blood of the Lamb. Saved washed in the blood of the Lamb. Saved washed in the blood of the Lamb. He fulfilled the mission. The God man. But you know that's just the physical side of it. Because darkness fell. Darkness fell. And when man had finished with God, because it was God on the cross, don't forget. When man had finished doing his worst, darkness fell. And then the father moved in. And he said, son, there's no one else can do it. You're going to have to take it. If these people are going to be saved, son, you're going to have to do it. He's a bloody mess on the cross. Marred more than any man and then darkness falls and the father moves in and he takes the cup of the sin of the world, past, present and future and he lays it on the son and he says, you're cursed. His only begotten son, he says, you're cursed. And remember, Christ knew no sin. He was sinless, he was spotless. He knew no sin. But darkness falls and Christ becomes sin for us. I can't even begin to explain what happened. I can talk through and talk about the, 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 physical, the physical torture of Christ. But when the darkness fell and the Father moved in, I, I can't even begin to comprehend it. I can't even become, be, begin to explain it. But I thank him that he did. I thank him that he did. Where would we be tonight without the Savior? He gave up his life. He laid it down freely. It wasn't taken from him. But on the third day, the Father raised him from the dead. What a saviour. What a glorious saviour. The father raised him from the dead. Seen of many. Continued to preach the gospel. And then he's ascended to the right hand of the father. Ascended to the right hand of the father. Our great high priest. The spotless lamb of God is enthroned on high tonight. My saviour, my redeemer. My lord and my king. And now God's people wait for his appearing again. Luke 
verse 18. So I go back to the start. And you're here tonight and you're not saved. You're here tonight and you're backslidden. And you're here tonight and you just want to be loved or you're watching online. When this meeting ends, are you going to say it again from verse 18? Away with this man. When this meeting ends tonight, are you going to reject Christ? You've heard what he done for you. You're here tonight and you just want to be loved. No greater love than the stretched out arms of Christ on that Roman cross. No greater love. Are you going to leave this meeting tonight? Walk out those doors and say as it says in verse 18, away with this man. Are you going to say as it says in verse 21, are you going to be with the mob? Are you going to just walk out the doors and say, away with this man, crucify him, I want nothing to do with him. After hearing what he's done for you, I want to be loved, Glenn. No greater love than Christ's love. I'm backslidden, Glenn. You need to look into Christ's eyes tonight again. You need to look at the cross. You need a fresh revelation of the cross. I need to get back on fire for Christ. You're here tonight and you're not saved. Time's short. A blind man on a galloping horse can see that time's short. Time is short. This scene of time is winding up. And Christ's coming back. Soon. Soon and very soon, Christ is coming back. You're here tonight and you're not saved. Don't leave this meeting tonight without seeing somebody. You don't have to see me. You can see Andrew at the front. He, he's our elder. or Jeff's the, the senior deacon. You can see anybody anywhere because there's so many people in this, this tabernacle who love the Lord and could lead you to Christ. I can't save you. A denomination can't save you. And a religion can't save you. Only Jesus saves. Your priest can't save you. Muhammad can't save you. Islam can't save you. Jehovah Witnesses can't save you. I could go on and I could go on and I could go on. Every other religion says, do, do, do. Jesus said it is finished. Jesus said it is finished. There's nothing more to add. There's nothing more to do. He just says, come. Come and bow the knee. Repent of your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Bow the knee. Believe in Christ. Believe on the resurrected Saviour and be plunged into the precious shed blood of the Lamb and thou shalt be saved. Praise his name.
Yesus di Engkau Plus.